Lord, bow your heads with me this morning as we pray, as we get ready to enter into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, and we are so grateful to you for the opportunity that we have to come together in your name and to know that you are here among us and that, God, you're already working in our lives. God, we come with great expectation today, Father. We don't come uh, for business as usual, Father. We don't come simply because it is what we do. God, we come because, Lord, we recognize that, Lord, we have been brought into relationship, a life-changing, life-giving relationship with you. And we are grateful, Father, that that relationship, Father, Lord, is is so that our lives can be transformed and so that, God, we might be, Father, a catalyst for change in our culture. God, your word says it is not your will that any perish, but that all, Father, come to the saving knowledge of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, it is our commitment this morning, Lord, to leave here today equipped and encouraged, Father, Lord, to be all you've called us to be. That, Lord, as we allow you to work in our lives, so, Father God, you will have the freedom to work through our lives. And that everything that is said and done will be to the glory of your holy name. So, God, speak to us today. Speak through me this morning. Lord, I I choose to, to step back so that, Lord, you, Father, might be exalted, Lord, in the preaching and teaching of your word today. And God, may our hearers be receptive to what you have to say to us through your word. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I'm going to be reading from verse 12 to verse 14 this morning. I have titled today's message, If, My, if God's People. And this is part two of a series that we started at our Branch Forest campus where we are talking about steps that you and I must take if we are to experience revival, renewal, and restoration. God's desire, friends, is to revive us. His desire is to renew us. His desire is to restore us from those places of brokenness that we experience in our lives. God's desire is to do this so that you and I might be the instruments that he would use to reach those who are not in the faith, to reach those who are outside of Christ. And when you look in the scriptures, there are steps, there are catalysts, there are uh, decisions and choices that the people of God need to make in order to experience the breakthrough that God desires to bring in our lives. There's a quote I came across that I want to share with you that talks about revival and the essence of revival, why it's so necessary for us. Revival is essential, the writer says, to restrain the righteous anger of God. Revival is essential to reveal God's gracious activity in our lives. And revival is essential to restore a conscious awareness of the Lord. God's desire is that you and I walk in this constant state of an awareness of Him and an an invitation for Him to work in my life and in your life to help us be who He calls us to be so that we can do the work He has called us to do. Every single one of us in here this morning, and those who are watching online, you're listening, every one of us are called by His name. When we gave our hearts to Christ, we surrendered all of our lives to Him. We didn't just simply make a decision because we were trying to escape hell. We made a decision to embrace the life that we know is only possible through knowing him. And every single day as we are walking with Jesus, he is walking in us through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us become more and more like him. Everybody say like him. And so it it, it paints for us this picture that we are meant to conform to the image of what Christ is and what he represents. But can I tell you this? The reason why revival is necessary is because of this flesh of ours that's constantly fighting. This flesh that wants to have its own way, wants to go its own road. And and it is a constant decision on our part to say to God, God, I will not give in to my flesh. I will not allow my flesh to dictate 
the way that I live, but I will constantly present myself to you, as Paul says, that living sacrifice, one that is made holy not by our effort or our good works, but by him and by what he's done on the cross, that we are made holy so that everything about us, our words, our actions, our attitude, our choices, our decisions, how we portray ourselves to a watching world, everything about us, friends, points others to Jesus. Because that's why we are here. We are here to point the world to him. Earlier this year, many of you remember, there was a very, um, a very special spiritual revival that took place in, 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 in a place called Ashbury. Specifically, Ashbury University was amongst a group of college students who, um, according to uh, the reports, had been spending about two weeks of praying and praising and uh, these young people decided that that they 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 had they 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 didn't have enough of God that they were going to linger and they were going to keep praying and seeking His face and it became this weeks long journey of seeing young people embracing the Lord and crying out to God and and asking Him to intervene in their lives and and I remember when I was listening to all of these different headlines and and of course the headlines were not all positive there were some that uh, certainly looked at what was happening as a genuine move of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these young people who were pouring out their hearts to God. God saying, God, we want more of you. We want you to have your way in our lives. And it is commendable what we saw God do. But can you, can you but I'm sure you will agree that there were there were also some who saw that what was happening and had had questions, had concerns, and began to wonder what it was all about and what was behind it. And as I began to think about what was happening in Ashbury, and I was I was hearing the reports on a daily basis of the things that were happening. In fact, it came to a point where we were hearing that people were coming from all over the country to Ashbury. To, to be a part of what was happening there. And as I would see all this, what I was praying most was this, that God let this not be just an experience or an event. Because we tend to think of revival. When we hear the word revival, we tend to think of a meeting. We tend to think of a service. We tend to, th we tend to think of an experience. And many, many times... What, it, what, 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 what we must be careful about is not to allow something that God desires to linger to simply become a moment in time where we experience that, we feel the euphoria of having gone through this, this riveting, riveting encounter with God, and then we go back to our old way or regular way of life. God's desire, friend, is this, that revival, renewal, restoration be a lifestyle, be a daily experience, be a, a daily practice, not something that just simply happens at a particular place or a, at a particular time. And in the scripture we're about to read, we're going to see this essentially be the prayer of, of, a, of a king named Solomon. And, and in the scripture that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see God's response to Solomon's prayer I would encourage you when you get a chance to, to read chapter 6. Chapter 6 is one of the most powerful prayers, intercessory prayers that, that you'll find in the scriptures because the, 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 the king, king, King Solomon, is crying out to God not only on his behalf but on behalf of the people of Israel. But to provide a little bit of context, here's what leads up to the verse we're about to read. Scripture says that Solomon built this temple, this temple that was in the heart of his dad, King David, to build. David, remember, had a heart for God. He wanted to please God, and it was his desire to build a place, a permanent place of worship for, for the Lord. But the Scripture says that God said he would not be the one to build that temple. Why? Because he had blood on his hands. But that it would be his son, the one to succeed him as king, that would have that honor. 
And the scripture says that David made preparation while he was king, got all the resources together so that when Solomon took the throne, Solomon took on this task of building the temple to the Lord. And the scripture tells us that Solomon built this temple in Jerusalem. Solomon furnished this temple. Then Solomon had the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God for the people of Israel, brought into this temple. And when the Ark was brought into the temple, the Bible says that the glory of God filled this temple. And Solomon, the scriptures tell us, dedicated this temple to the Lord. Solomon, having prayed this riveting prayer, seeking God's face on behalf of his people, praying for God to, 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 to visit his people once again and to, and to bring revival and renewal and restoration, has an encounter with the Lord in chapter 7. And in verse 12, this is what the Bible tells us happened. Again, if you turn Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon at night, and he said to him, Solomon, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And so if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a plague among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God responded to the king and essentially said to him, Solomon, I have heard your prayer, and your desire for restoration, for revival, for renewal is predicated on my people who are called by my name doing several things. Last week at the Branch Forest Campus, we talked about the first step and that is that if you and I are to experience God's intervention in our lives, friends, we must understand the importance of approaching God with reverence, with humility. That we approach our Heavenly Father not as if He exists for us, but that we exist for Him. And that we recognize His place as, we, as well as recognize ours. And that we have a reverential approach, attitude about God, that we see that He is God. And that he in no way is equal to us. That he is far above we are. And we must learn to embrace him and approach him for the God that he is. But not only that, the condition, the second condition that, 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 that the Lord brings to, to, to King Solomon is, has to do with, with prayer. And, and I want to speak on that this morning because I truly believe that if you and I are to experience revival, restoration, renewal in our own lives... A daily experience, an encounter with the Lord where we are being changed and transformed to conform to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That revival, friends, must spring from a heart that desperately, desperately desires His transforming work. God's desires to work in our lives. But God is waiting for you and I to recognize what He seeks to do and to invite Him to do it in us. That was essentially what Solomon was praying. He was saying, God, we have much work to be done. We are a people who are flawed. We are people who fall short. We are people who have many shortcomings. And so, God, I am asking you that when we fall short or when we, when we are reminded of our shortcomings, that, God, you would reach out and you would transform. You would, en you would engage our lives and bring change to our lives. Pray Friends, this morning I want you to understand that revival is essential to experiencing the move of God in our lives, to experience the transformative work of God in our lives. But prayer is the vehicle by which we ignite the divine intervention of God in our lives. 
If you and I learn to see prayers more than us bringing needs to God, God, do this, God, do that, God, meet this need, God, satisfy this, this want, then, then, then we, are, we, we are selling ourselves short. Prayer is meant to be an opportunity for you and I as children of God to engage our Heavenly Father and to walk away from that engagement having been trained and transformed and renewed in our minds as we are brought in alignment with God's will and purpose for our lives. And so if you and I are to experience, again, renewal, revival, restoration, and if prayer is to be the vehicle by which we experience that, then I want to talk to you this morning in very, very in this next few minutes about the heart that desperately desires God. Because again, we must desire the work he wants to bring about in our lives. And when we desire God, friends, God will not disappoint. When we desire God, when we seek him, when we pursue him, God will not disappoint. What are the characteristics of a heart that desperately desires God? Number one, a heart that readily admits its inadequacy without him. One of the things that I, 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 I thought about that Ashbury revival, based on one of the articles I read, it described the young people as desperate for God. That there was this longing for him, this longing for his presence, this, this recognition of, God, I cannot live without you. God, I cannot go on without you. And, and, you know, I always tell folks this, that being a Christian, friend, is not about me proving to God how well I can live up to his expectations. Being a Christian is about me recognizing that I cannot live outside of him the way he wants me to, and that I must be in total dependence and submission to him to be able to live the way he wants me to live. Every one of us must be willing to admit our inadequacy without God and find that our confidence, our assurance, our ability to live each day, to, to walk with him, to have an encounter with him is predicated on our willingness to say, God, I am empty without you. There is nothing that this world can satisfy much like you can. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. He writes that such is the confidence that we have Toward God through Christ. Not that we are adequate in ourselves so as to consider anything as having come from ourselves, but that our adequacy is from God. All through the scriptures, we see example after example where people of God have learned to acknowledge, to admit their need for him. When you and I came to faith in Christ, it was because we recognized that we need Christ to come and change our lives. That we need him to give us a hope, to give us a future. That we need him to, to set us free from the power of sin. And, and to give us, to give us a, a life that is worth living. To give us a, a future and a hope that is anchored in, in his promises. The Bible makes it clear to you and I that if you and I are to, are to, are to, are to exercise prayer as a vehicle for, for seeing God intervene in our lives, then friends, we must be willing and, and ready and committed to admitting our need for him in our lives. Do you recognize your need for God today? Do you recognize that you cannot live for him outside of him? That, that everything that he calls you to do and to be is only made possible because you are tied to him. And we must choose to recognize that this morning. The heart that desperately desires God not only readily admits his inadequacy without the Lord, but that heart also yearns for God's mercy to be poured out. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16 that we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? So that in approaching God's grace with God's, God's throne with, with grace, with the throne of grace, excuse me, with confidence, we can receive mercy. Everybody say mercy. We all know what mercy is. Mercy is, 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 is favor that is unmerited. Mercy is, is, is that which you did not earn or deserve. 
And I can tell you this, everything that God does for you and I, we did not earn it. We did not deserve it. God does not owe us. And yet part of that heart that yearns for God is the heart that says, God, not only am I empty and inadequate without you, but God, I also recognize that without your mercy in my life, Lord, I am nothing. I can do nothing. I am nothing. I can, I can accomplish nothing. Scripture says we must always approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may find mercy and grace to help us at our time of need. And can I tell you that that time of need is every time. There is no time, friends, not one iota of a second where I don't need God. There is not going to be ever a moment where you can, I can say, God, I don't need you. I can take care of this, this by myself this time. I'm good. No, every moment of our life, we need him. And we must crave and cry out and desire God's mercy to be poured out in our lives. It is a heart that desperately desires God that says, God, I need your mercy. I cannot function without your mercy. And to allow our lives to be an open book so that when others see what God has done, they see that indeed he is a merciful God. The third thing we discover is that a heart that desires, desperately desires God is one that trusts God and depends entirely on his goodness. Psalm 31 verse 19, the psalmist writes, How great is your goodness. And he describes God's goodness as that which has been stored for those who fear God. As I mentioned in the 9 o'clock service, I want to say again, when we hear the word fear, we're not talking about fear that causes you to cower or to, or, or to pull back or to resist God. It is a fear that causes you to run to him. Why? Because you recognize that he is everything that he says he is. And you believe him for who he is. And you know that what he has promised, he's able to accomplish. Friends, you and I are enjoying the goodness of God in our lives every single day, whether we realize it or not. The psalmist says that God's great goodness is great. And it is stored up for those who fear him, which he has performed for those who take refuge in him before the sons of mankind. God invites you and I to walk in trust. He invites you and I to walk in dependence on him. He invites you and I to walk in reliance on him. Again, it ties into that first point. We are not adequate in our own selves. We need the mercy of God to be poured out in our lives. Why? Because we know that it is only the mercy and the goodness of God that we can rely on as we, as we navigate through life. There are so many things happening in our world today that gives us, that, that, that could potentially give us reason to be afraid, to be, to be, to be, to be worried, to be anxious. And yet the scripture says we should not be anxious. We should not be fearful. We should not be worried. Why? Because our hope is in the Lord. And so when we remember that we can trust and depend on, on the goodness of God, it serves as that, that anchor to help us to weather every storm. And then here's the last point. A heart that des desperately desires God is one that persistently calls to him until he answers. Luke 11, verse 9 through verse 10. This is what the Lord himself said. He thought about the importance of persistence, about the importance of lingering and waiting not because God is in the business of playing games or trying to see how, how far he can extend our patience before he responds. But it is this, is this, is this, it is this invitation to, to seek God's face, to seek God's will until we receive his direction, until we receive an answer from him. Jesus said this in verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. He said, seek and you will find. He said, knock and it will be opened to you. Why? Because everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks will find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. How many times do you see him use the word will, 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 will? Because he's saying to you and I that God always answers. Are you not grateful this morning that when you cry to your heavenly father that he does not turn a deaf ear to you? Why? Because you're his child. 
you're his son, you're his daughter. You can be confident that when you cry to your heavenly father and you're crying out according to his will for your life, that the, our heavenly father will answer according to his perfect will for us. And how many times we pray and we are seeking God and we, are seeking, we have a need that we want him to address and we, and we, and we feel like it's lingering, we're waiting, we're waiting. And, and sometimes we can be discouraged. Again, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There are times where you, you feel like, God, what's going on? How long do I need to wait? How long do I need to be patient? And, and God wants us to continue to persist. Why? Because our persistence comes from the knowledge that God is not man that he should lie, that he would do everything he says he would do, but he's going to do it in his own time. And to be confident that when he does it, it's because it was the right time. Every one of us in here can testify to a time in our own lives where we went through a situation, right? Where we felt like, God, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And God was saying, wait, wait, wait. Be patient. Be patient. And we didn't understand why we needed to be patient. But yet when God finally came through, we understood why. We understood the importance. Why? Because, again, we recognized that our Heavenly Father is faithful as we, as we talk about this idea of seeking God for him to bring revival, renewal, restoration in our lives, it's important for us, friends, to recognize that God's desire is to work in you and I so that he can work through us. There have been many times where I'll, you know, I'll watch the news, I'll listen to the news, or I'm reading some publication and I'm, you know, I'm absorbing all of this content about things that are happening in the world. And like I said to you, it's, man, a lot of it is just very discouraging. And of course, a part of you is saying, Lord, you know, I just, you know, I pray that you bring a change in this circumstance, bring a change in the situation. And yet at the end of the day, the Lord comes back and he says to me, are you willing to acknowledge that maybe there are elements of some of those in you? And before you start to say God changed him or changed her, are you willing to say God changed me? Because can I tell you this, revival, friends, if it's to happen in our culture, it has to start with us. Imagine what our world would look like if every believer, regardless of what church or denomination, but every believer, every committed follower of Christ embraced this mindset and says, and begin to say, God, search my own heart. And if there's anything that is in me that, it, that will keep me from living for you, from serving you, from, from making Christ known, God, deal with it in me. That revival that, 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 that we sometimes erroneously think is confined to an event or a, or a place, friends, we will experience that every single day. And it doesn't have to be some dramatic uh, over-the-top experience, but we know when God is working in our lives. We know when God is moving in our lives. Why? Because we're in the place where we are seeking. We're saying, God, have your way in me. So, so I want to challenge you this morning to consider that, that God's desire to transform you and me is not meant to only happen in a particular space or be confined to a period of time. God's desire is to first experience that every single day. That no matter where you are, what you're doing, who you're with, but that there's evidence all over your life that God is working. And that it be obvious to those around you that you're a person who seeks him desperately. And because you seek him desperately, he is moving in your life. And that that hunger that they see in your heart for God begins to stir within them a hunger for God himself. I believe that God is calling you and I, friends, to be a catalyst for change. But for that to happen, friends, it must first start within us.
I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to leave you with this closing thought. When hunger for God takes root, you become that instrument of change. You become the expression of change that God desires to bring into our world. It has to start with us. If judgment is going to first start in the house of God, friends, then if change is to happen in our culture, it has to start in the house of God. Will you join with me in saying, God, have mercy on me? Will you join me in saying, God, I cannot do this without you? Will you join me in saying, God, I want to I continue to testify to your goodness and to demonstrate that I, I trust and I depend on your faithfulness? And are we willing to say, God, help me to be persistent, to not give up, to not give in, to not, to not let my guard down, but to pursue you with every fiber of my being and to be confident that when I do so, that, God, you will meet me in my place and point of need. And more than that, God, that, Lord, you will work through my life. That's the invitation to all of us this morning. But I would also add, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, understand today that, that God loves you. God's desire is for you to know him. And, and, and what we talk about, this revival, renewal, restoration that God seeks to bring, it's not only for those who are currently in Christ. It's what he desires for all. Why? Because he sent his son for all. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you can make that, you can make that decision to choose him and to embrace him and to follow him. And friend, I'll tell you this. God is not finished with me yet. But I will tell you this. That when you open the door of your heart to him, he will change your life like you cannot imagine. And he will give you a joy and a peace that you, this world cannot give you. But you have to choose him today. This is how I'm going to conclude this message. And then I'm going to have Pastor Bruce come to receive the offering this morning. I want to invite everyone to stand. Those who are watching online, wherever you may be, if it is possible, I would invite you to stand where you are as well. And this response to the Lord is going to be corporate. It's going to be all of us. So as I lead in prayer, I invite you to pray this prayer with me as well. God, I want all of you today. God, have your way in me. You have called me by your name. God, I want you to work in my life and help me to be all you want me to be through the power of your Holy Spirit. If you even feel led to, you can lift your hands toward the Lord this morning as a sign of surrender. And we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to respond to you, your invitation, Father, to us, Lord. Lord, you've declared if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray, seek your face, turn from wickedness, Lord, you will hear from heaven, you will restore, you will heal. God, thank you. That, God, your desire today and every single day is to help us, Lord, to conform to the image of your son, Jesus. And, God, for that to happen, we must desire it every single day. The Apostle Paul talks about presenting ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that for every person that is standing here this morning, for every person that is watching online, Father, God, may it be our prayer today. God, have all of me. Work in me according to your good pleasure, Lord. Lord, let nothing stand in the way, Father, of the call that you've placed on my life. May my life be that open book that helps others to see that, God, you are working in me so that you might work through me. 
God, I pray that you help us, Lord, to be in constant awareness of you. Help us to desire you above life itself. Help us to seek you with every fiber of our being. Help us to call on your name, Father, and to be confident that when we do so, you will answer. Help us, Lord, to yield ourselves totally and completely to you. And God, may it be said that because we, your people, Father, seek you above all, that God, you are glorified above all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give a hand of, have a hand of applause to the Lord? Pastor Bruce, would you please come? You may be seated this morning. God bless you.